Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, Pastor Jim jumps into Mark chapter 9. Jesus is alone now with the 12 disciples, continuing to instruct them. And here we encounter an incredible scene the transfiguration of Jesus before three of the disciples who witnessed Jesus in his divine glory and an affirming audible word from God the Father out of heaven. They got a glimpse of the kingdom to come. And the response was they were terrified at the glimpse of glory and power that they witnessed. Jesus' statement just before this occurrence in scripture has caused some confusion, but when grasped in the context of the transformation, not as confusing as it may at first appear. Pastor Jim will explain all week. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, This is My Beloved Son. God took the, God the Father took the, the fleshly veil of Jesus and pulled it back for a little bit and let him get a glimpse of the glory of this one who had humbled himself, taking on the form of a man. The form he was changed into was glory. And it's portrayed as astounding light. I, I could stand up here and babble for a long time to try to explain it, but the truth is only three people in history have ever seen it, and we've got their record in the Gospels and in Second uh, Peter. So just take it for what it says. Uh, Peter's later description of it is in Second Peter chapter 1, and he's saying this in talking about the reliability of the Word of God. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales. We didn't make this up. We're not, we're not blowing smoke. We're not kidding you. These aren't myths. We did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus. So he's talking about the second coming here. We know this is coming. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So here he's tying in the transfiguration with what it's going to be like when Jesus comes in glory. For when he received honor and glory from the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. This isn't a fable. This isn't a parable. This is real. There were eyewitnesses. There were three of them. Interestingly, the Old Testament says to validate testimony, you need two or three witnesses, right? Now, there was a companion miracle not only the transformation of Jesus or the transfiguration of Jesus, but also Moses and Elijah appeared. And they were talking with Jesus. By the way, it wasn't just chit-chat. Luke 9.31, recording his version of this, says that they were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. 
Now, do you remember, I said this Wednesday night at the start of 64 Days of Truth, the, 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 number, the, the, the three most important principles of interpreting the Bible? Context, context, and context. What departure at Jerusalem? Well, the one he just mentioned. The one he just started explaining to them. Now, why would that be the subject of the conversation? Because these guys yet could not connect the promise of the glorious kingdom, but the king's going to go die. How can those two possibly fit together? Well, here, as the veil is lifted, we have Moses representing the law, Elijah representing the prophets. The law and the prophets is the Jewish shorthand for the Scriptures, the Old, the Old Testament. And they're saying that this is absolutely all one plan. It all fits together. They affirm that what Jesus was telling the disciples is what they understood. Now, Peter in 1 Peter, was going to eventually write the explanation of this. He says that even the Old Testament prophets prophesied of the glories of the kingdom and the suffering of the Savior. And they couldn't figure out how do those two fit together. And Peter says, well, it was actually for you to understand that. They had to live with the tension of that. But now we understand First coming, second coming. Die to pay for sin, come to reign in the kingdom. They didn't have that, that clear separation that we have to help us understand it. So the disciples are asleep or nodding off. Jesus is praying. Something wakes them up. Light like they have never seen. Jesus is there. Moses is there. Elijah is there. They know it's Moses and Elijah, so obviously they were name tags. Or maybe they introduced themselves. It was clear who it, who it was. And so they're talking about what Jesus has just been saying about going to Jerusalem, dying, rising again, coming back, and all of that. So Peter, you never catch him with his mouth closed, in this case, he doesn't really get in trouble. There isn't anything sinister about what he says. He, he starts talking about, hey, Jesus, this is good. I didn't like that stuff about you going to Jerusalem and dying. This is good. Let's, uh, let's make this day last as long as we can. Let's set up a shelter for you and a shelter for Elijah and a shelter for Moses. You guys talk it all out. We'll sit and listen. Something like that. He was probably thinking of the, the Feast of Tabernacles where Israel would uh, set up tabernacles or little tents or lean-to or shelters and, and, and actually sleep in them for a few days to remember the, the hard times of the, of the wilderness in their past. So he's thinking of something like that, and, and he makes that suggestion. And this time, Jesus doesn't respond. Jesus doesn't have to shush him um, or rebuke him because right then, God the Father intervenes and repeats the message that He thundered out when Jesus was baptized about Him being His Son. This time, the Father adds, listen to Him. 
Now remember those three rules? Listen to him. Listen to what he's telling you. Listen to what he just started telling you in plain language. There is the plan. You've figured out the person, the Christ, the Son of the living God. You also have to get on board with the plan that he must die for this plan to be enacted. Now, Mark doesn't say it, but Matthew says that the three disciples did exactly what you would do in that situation. They fell face down on the ground, and they were terrified. When you are seeing the glory of God and you hear the voice of God, you fall on your face. There is nothing else for you to do. That's why I say the veil is lifted because they, they got a glimpse of Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords and the judge of all men and they heard from the voice of the Father. They were terrified. If you truly see God in His glory, you're going to realize you are accountable to Him for every deed you have ever done, for every thought you have ever thought or even entertained in your imagination and it will rightfully tell you or terrify you. When you read a book or see a movie about somebody who claims to have gone to heaven and chit-chatted with Jesus and they come back and they tell you about it, bunk. If they went to heaven, their book would be, and I fell on my face, terrified, amen, come to Jesus. There's no silliness about it. There's no frivolity about it. This is the glory of God. This is a demonstration of His holiness. Now, the wonderful truth of the gospel is you don't need to fear the moment when you will meet Him because of what He did for you on that cross when He went to Jerusalem and was arrested and, or betrayed and arrested and tried and crucified. What He did for you there in making the appropriate sacrifice for your sins, because of that, you can eagerly await and you can joyfully anticipate His second coming. But if you reject what He did for you, that very same glory, which is going to be shared in by all believers, is going to consume the enemies of God in eternal judgment. So the plan is set. The veil is lifted. You get confirmation of the plan from Moses and Elijah. And then this same thing is said again that we keep coming across. Tell no one until later. Verse 9. As they were coming down from the mountain, he gave them orders not to relate to anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man rose from the dead. Can you imagine how hard it must have been not to tell anyone what you saw up on the mountain? Andrew goes up to his brother Peter and says, Hey, Peter, how was it on the mountain? <laughs> Fine. Yeah, any, any, anything special happen? Well, you know, maybe we can talk about it later. <laughs> they had to wait about a year before they were allowed to tell anyone. And, and the obvious question is why? And the obvious answer is the same answer we keep coming up with. We saw it back in chapter 8, verse 30, where... 
Jesus told them to tell no one that he was the Christ. That was because there were so many bizarre ideas about who he was. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.